Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Before I dive into the word today, a couple years back, we started supporting Israel, uh, not just through prayer. We've done that for many years, but we started supporting them through a partnership with a local church that um, we, we got connected to there called the Voice of Judah Israel. And this church is a disciple-making church uh, located right in the heartland of Israel, and they're focused on planting new churches, reaching out. Uh, by meeting the needs of the people. They are clothing those that, that need it. They're feeding those that are hungry. They're doing a lot of good things. Um, their, their services look a lot like ours. Uh, and since we began that partnership with Israel a couple of years ago, we have watched our finances here at Bethesda increase drastically. Uh, and it reminds me of the word that God gave to those who bless Israel, God would bless. Uh, and, and so we have seen a lot of fruit from that but we're really excited. Next Sunday, the pastor of that church, Voice of Judah Israel, the pastor, his name is Israel Pakhtar. He will be coming here, and he's going to be sharing some of their ministry with us next Sunday at 9 and 11. And he's also going to be preaching next Sunday. So uh, you'll want to be here. It's going to be a great, great time. He'll be accompanied by his U.S. Uh, representative, Pastor Greg Rainey. Uh, they'll be here next week. It's going to be a great day. Uh, today, we are going to do our best to close out this series called Bitter to Better. I hope you've enjoyed the series so far. Uh, I know that some of this has been difficult to, to navigate, to wade through. Anytime you deal with bitterness, it's usually a sore spot. And uh, I think for a lot of people, we've been just ripping the Band-Aid off and uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he does as it relates to the bitter seasons of our life. In the first week of this series, we talked about there is a miracle in your mistake, that when it comes to our relationship with God, that he will even use our mistakes to push us into our destiny. Are you thankful that God can even use your mistakes? I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful that he's used a lot of my mistakes. In week two, we talked about how to respond to a bitter season. Uh, we all will drink a bitter cup at some point. And it's all about how we respond to that bitter season. And then last week, we talked about not going back. Uh, once we make the decision to come out of Moab, we're not going to return to it. We're, repentance is not prayer. Repentance is when purpose shifts. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to close this series out. And it's really hard to close out a series when you are still in chapter one of the book. Uh, but but there, there's so much info in, in the book of Ruth, and we, we may come back to it at a later date uh, to hit some of the things that happen in chapters 2, 3, and 4. Before I go any further, though, I just want to say it's uh, really, really great to have my mom and dad on the front row. Thank you guys so much for being here today. This couple right here, not only are they my mom and dad, but they love people more than anybody I have ever met. They love people, have the gift of hospitality, pastored for many years. So thank you so much for being here with us today. I want to call this message, the closeout message, I want to call this, it's payday. It's payday. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell them it's payday. Anybody like payday? <laughs> I'm a pastor, I still like payday, all right? Uh, everybody likes Payday, and, and so this will make sense as, as we dive into this, this subject matter today, because what, what we've learned is God takes, uh, when we look at Exodus 30, when God gave the ingredients for the anointing oil, we know that the first ingredient was myrrh, which means bitter, and we've learned that God is the perfumer who takes the good seasons, the sweet seasons, and even the bitter seasons to produce in us what we need for our next level. And so he, he takes those seasons, mixes them together to produce some good things. And we know that you cannot get the oil out of the olive until the olive has been squeezed, right? It, it's got to go through the press. We know that you can't get the wine from the grapes until the wine 
or till the grapes are crushed. That there is a process, and both oil and wine speak to us scripturally from uh, the point of view of the Holy Spirit being active in a person's life. They are it, it typifies uh, the Holy Spirit living in us and operating through us. And I'm going to read some scriptures in a moment, but you need to know I'm already preaching, so you need to be dialed in. God does not rule your life by lottery. He governs your life by levels. God is not a God of lottery. He's a God of levels. There's a lot of preaching uh, in, in the church world today that if you jump up and down three times, you're entering into your new season. And if you get up and run around the building 12 times, then, you know, you're, you're stepping into a new season in God. And, and, and what I'll tell you about that is it makes for good preaching. It makes for a good church. It's just not true. See, God takes you to new levels once you have shown proper stewardship and faithfulness over your previous level. See, you're, you're going to have to do something at times, you're going to have to do things you hate in order to get to do the things you love. To this day, I still spend about 70% of my time as a pastor doing things I don't really enjoy. I have to do a lot of things that I don't really enjoy so that I can get to do the 30% I really love. And, and so the 70%, it just comes with the turf. Now, there is a, a sense of joy to all my service unto God, but I have to know that with God, there are things, there, there'll be times that God will require me to do something I hate with excellence so that I can get to do the thing I love to do. And so there is a process to that. And so chapter one of the book of Ruth uh, is a tough chapter to spend four weeks in because in chapter one, there's a lot of bitterness, there's a lot of death, there's a lot of disappointment, there, there's a lot of lukewarmness that, that we see in chapter one. But once you flip over, over to chapter two, which maybe we'll do later this year, uh, Ruth begins to forget about the former things and she begins to step in to the new things. She, through kingdom principles, God takes Ruth, who is a no-name, nobody from nowhere, and he takes her from being a beggar in the field to owning the whole field. But he does this through kingdom principles. And so when we talk about Ruth, this no-name, nobody from nowhere who goes from beggar with no home, no family, no husband, no faith, no, no relationship with God, has none of that, and God takes her to owner of the whole thing, what is your excuse? He takes this person and begins to elevate her through kingdom principles and takes her on a, on a journey and, and she moves into a place from just responding to what life throws at her to where she, she is now in charge of her own life. And so God, God has never changed plans. God started with a man, Adam, who was in charge of everything and God is gonna end with a man named Jesus in charge of everything. Jesus came to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. That's what Jesus came to do, to put all things under our feet. The problem is scripture tells us that we, we don't yet see all things under our feet because we know in part and we prophesy in part. Here's what we have to understand today. If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. The battle is always between what God said and what you see. He will tell you something that looks nothing like what you presently see. God has this way of giving you a promise, and you're like, how in the world? Has he seen my circumstance? I mean, how, uh, you're saying I'm going to do A, B, and C, but have you seen me lately? I'm nowhere near. The battle always takes place between what God said and what you see. And, and so he will give a promise that defies our present reality. And then we have to make a choice. Will I be dominated by circumstances or will I be dominated by the word of God? Because whichever one I magnify will become the driving force of my life. And, and so we, we have to 
place priority on God's word as we're trying to walk into the promise. So Ruth chapter one, I'm just gonna read like three or four verses today. Starting in verse 18. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem and it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them and the women said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. By now, four weeks in, I would think we're all pretty familiar with Ruth Ruth chapter one. The patriarch of the family, Elimelech, is married to Naomi. They have two sons. They live in Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem meaning word, Judah meaning praise. They leave the worship experience. They leave the word, they leave praise, they go to Moab. Moab means idle or lazy. And the entire experience typifies, I want you to catch this, it typifies the casual Christian the casual Christian. They leave their life in the word and they leave their life in worship and they go into an idle place. Most people that that have known Christ, they do not fall away from Christ because they want to go into full-blown sin. A lot of times they fall away from Christ because once you get lukewarm, once, once you're in that lukewarm spot, everything in your life starts to die. Everything starts to diminish. It's kind of like the crab in the bucket He doesn't even know that he's being boiled because the the temperature is only raising one degree at a time. Doesn't even know he's being cooked. And that's how sin is in our lives. When we are lukewarm, we can't see the damage. We, we, We can't see the toll that it's taken on our life until we reach a place that we want to turn from it and go back to our relationship with God. And then we realize how far we have drifted and how much damage has been caused because of that lukewarm state. For this family in scripture, the casual trip into lukewarmness, idleness, into this place called Moab, it has resulted in the death of a husband and two sons. The problem is that during the time of the two sons' life, they, they took wives out of Moab. And so now, so now all we're left with is Naomi, the mother-in-law, and Ruth and Orpha, the two daughter-in-laws. And so Naomi has sense enough to know that we are in this condition, we've been in this lazy, idle, lukewarm state long enough, but this is not gonna cut it any longer. We have to make the transition. We've got to leave Moab and we gotta get back to Bethlehem, Judah, back to the place of the word, back to the place of worship, because this life is not working any longer. Have you ever found yourself in a place in your relationship with God where you realized what you were doing was no longer working? That's where Naomi is. But when she decided to head back, she figured out that there are some people who are more in love with their future, and there are some people who are more in love with their past. Because Ruth said, let's do this. Let's step into our future. She was ready to go. But the scripture says that Orpha was more in love with her past. And so she went back to Moab. And the scripture tells us why. She went back. Naomi told her, said, go back to your people and to your gods. People there represents our relationships. Gods represents our way of thinking or our belief system. Go back to your old relationships. Go back to your old belief systems. In other words, Orpha could not change her mind to accept that there were new truths and new realities that she could discover in Bethlehem, Judah. She could not accept the fact that there were, more, there were more things that God wanted to do in her life if she could step into an unknown future, but she was so married to her past and her old environment that the fear of stepping into anything new outweighed the, the terrible things she had experienced in that old environment. So instead of embracing the new, she went back to the old way of thinking and the old people. See, you gotta understand, if you can change your belief system, And if you can change your relationships, the possibilities of your life are endless. If you are determined to hang on to every relationship that you had in your former life 
and your mind is too rigid and not fluid enough to receive new understanding, you're not going to go very far into the things of God. You will only go as far in life as your relationships and your belief systems will take you. And this is where people get stuck. A lot of Christians get stuck. Even Christian, good people, they love the Lord, but they get stuck in a traditional mindset and they cannot get past their, their uh, previous teachings. For example, you have people that will come to this church and, and, and they, maybe they came from another church and they came here and they hear me preach on the kingdom and they can't really understand the kingdom because all they've ever heard is church. Not understanding that Jesus said church once, but he said kingdom every other breath. And, 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 and so they come and they can't, they can't grasp you know, the kingdom that Jesus came to give us a kingdom to restore order and authority in our lives so that we could take back control of our lives. And, and so instead of grabbing it and rising up and saying, I, I want that, they retreat to their previous teachings because it's a more comfortable place. Some people cannot unlearn church enough to exercise the kingdom. See, he came to bring us this kingdom, and, and, and it wasn't so that we would lose control. It was it, it's so that we could get control back. The fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. All right? So, so when the kingdom is in my life, and I really do have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me, it means that I have the ability now to exercise self-control. All right? Um, it, it means that I can govern my tongue. It means I can govern my thought life. I can govern my emotions. Uh, you know, I, every thought I have, you know, it's not, not always negative. If you are still having crazy thoughts, it means you're not ruler yet. If your emotions are still all over the place, it means you're not ruler yet. If your attitude is nasty one day and good the next day, you are not ruler yet. And it doesn't matter like how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many times you've been promoted. Until you can rule yourself, you cannot rule anything. Ooh, ooh. I may just hum a little bit. We're going somewhere. Hang in there. We're going somewhere today. Before we leave this place, somebody's going to run right through a wall. I believe it. I'm just playing. Some of you would be like, that'd be scary. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever been through a battle? I better see every hand. If not, come get the mic and tell us. <laughs> Enlighten us. All of us have gone through a battle. I'm going to read you some scriptures that talk about the battle. And I'm, I, I want to read these in, in tandem. We're just going to read them through. And then I'm going to come back and, and show you a couple of things. And then we're going to hit some, some things that I think will, will speak to your heart. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. I, I'm going to stop right here and just say, he cuts it. So if I'm not bearing fruit, he cuts me. And if I'm bearing fruit, he cuts me. Hit your neighbor and tell him, he's going to cut you. He's going to cut you. He said that, that it may bear more fruit. He says, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, this is what God's trying to, he's trying to get you to this place. If, you, if my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. All right, that's one. Now we're going to tie another one to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, I'm going to get cut on. I'm going to go through bitter seasons. 
I'm going to deal with suffering. I'm going to deal with affliction. He says, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So, so he's, he's comparing the suffering and the affliction and the cutting to the blessing that's coming on the other side, okay? Track with me. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings, let's just stop right here and insert, being cut, being pruned, being afflicted, of this present time, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, I just want y'all to know, we could do this all day long because there's that many scriptures that talk about this. We could do it all day long. We could do Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalm 91, 7. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. All these scriptures, God is talking about a battle that is coming. A pruning, a cutting, a, a, a test, a battle, if you will. Naomi, go back to Ruth, Naomi came into a situation where she made decisions to go into Moab, a lukewarm life, and everything died. She is now making a decision to come out of Moab and return to Bethlehem, Judah. But how many of you understand that sometimes you wait too late to make the right decision? Everyone has already died. Her husband is dead. The sons are dead. Nothing good has happened in Moab. And, and, and she comes to this place, I've got to get myself out of here. I, 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 the only thing I can focus on now is moving forward. I can't go back and, and change it. I can't bring Elimelech back. I can't bring my two sons back. I can't bring, bring the, the 10 years I've lost here back. I can't do anything about it, but I need to, to make a decision to move into my future. I can't do anything about this. For, this is for somebody today. You can't change what happened, but what you can do is start focusing on what God is about to do. You, you, gotta, you, gotta just, you can't go back and change that. So I'm going to focus here. I'm going to put my attention here and say, no, Naomi makes that decision. But the problem, she's now traveling with Ruth. And Ruth is not from Bethlehem, Judah. She is a Moabitess. She's not from the place of the word and worship. Ruth don't know anything about the word. She don't know anything about worship. All she knows is Moab. That's all she's ever known. But she has decided in this moment to take a journey with Naomi to a place that she knows nothing about. She's willing to leave everything that she's ever experienced to pursue something that she's not sure of. And she's left her people. She's left her comfort zone because she's convinced that there is a greater life out here that I know nothing about yet. And here's the thing, when she makes it back to Bethlehem, Judah, when she gets to this place, she doesn't start at the top. She starts at the bottom. And, 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 and I, I got to bring you back to this. Why, why does she got to start at the bottom? Because God is a God of levels. God is a God of seasons. God is going to walk her through these seasons, and he's going to walk her through these levels. Naomi, Naomi fought a battle that she was supposed to walk through. The problem is that when Naomi was walking through the battle, instead of just walking through the battle, the battle got in Naomi. And, and so this, you're, you're not supposed to, to, to let the battle in you. You're supposed to go through it, but the battle got in her. And she did not come out on the other side and look back and say, wow, that was a bitter season. She came out on the other side and said, don't call me Naomi, call me bitter. The battle had gotten in her. She said, do not call me Naomi, call me my last season. And there is a lot of people that come through a bitter season, a difficult season, and then they spend the rest of their life 
being identified and labeled by their last season. They went through a divorce. They filed bankruptcy. They, somebody walked out on them. And then the rest of their life, they allow people to call them their last season. I refuse to let anybody label me a brief season in my life. I refuse to give anybody that kind of power over me. Yes, it happened to me, but it does not define me. Yes, it happened, but it does not define me. There is a difference between what I have weathered and who I am. There's a difference. Not only am I not what I went through, but what I went through helped me to become who I am. I didn't become it, but it helped me become. Does that make sense to anybody? It's made me into the person. So I'm not going to be identified by a brief season in my life and allow that to determine my identification. I, I can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Hit your neighbor and tell them, don't do that. Don't do that. Now, the consistent thing. You're like, why did you read all them scriptures in a row? That's a lot of scripture. It was a lot of scripture, but there was one consistent thing I wanted you to see in all those scriptures. Every battle pays a dividend. Hit your neighbor and tell them it's payday. Oh, Lord. Some of y'all act more excited when your job pays you. I, I came to tell somebody, God's saying to some people today, it's payday. It's payday. In John 15, Jesus said, I'm going to cut you. I almost want to say that, like, I'm going to cut you. I probably shouldn't do that. I don't want to misrepresent the Lord. He says, I'm going to cut you. But he says, I want you to stay with me while I cut you. Because if you stay with me while I cut, I can't get over the fact, we only think like God cuts on the people that aren't fruitful. Yeah, he cuts them off. But if I'm fruitful, he cuts me anyway. Because at the end of the day, he wants me to be more fruitful than I already am. Some of you have been real fruitful in the past, but God says you've been through a cutting seed. I'm just going to prophesy to some people right now. And you ain't seen nothing yet, baby. You thought you were fruitful back here, but you've come through your bitter season. God's been cutting on you, and he's about to multiply your fruitfulness. He's multiplying your fruitfulness. So he says, I'm going to cut on you, but I need you to hang in there while I do it. While I do surgery, I just need you to grin and bear it. I just need you to, to stay in there because, listen, a branch disconnected from the vine can do nothing. And how often in the bitter season, the difficult season, do we separate ourselves from the one who makes all things possible? And Jesus is saying, hey, if you can hang in there, I'm trying to tell you there's a payday coming. Every battle pays a dividend. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, our light and momentary affliction is actually working in our favor. We don't feel like it's working in our favor when we go through it. But God says, I'm gonna, if you can weather this temporary setback, I'm going to give you something eternal that will never leave your life. There's, a, there's an exchange that takes place. Romans said, for I consider these present sufferings not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in me. And so there is a cutting. There is, there is pain. God's saying, hang in there, even though there's pain involved. We see, we see cutting. We see pain. We see suffering, bitter seasons. But God is saying, I'm going to raise your weight. I'm going to raise your glory. And I'm going to multiply your fruitfulness. And, and, and listen, when God is done multiplying your fruitfulness, you're going to need some employees. Because you ain't going to be able to handle all the fruit coming your way. I don't know who that's for. Somebody's going to have to pay people to manage your blessing. Because your blessing is going to be so big, you can't even handle it. I need some people that will dream with me a little bit right here. Come on, don't, don't. if you get religious now, we'll have to deal with that. I'm feeling like real froggy today, I'm telling you. Ruth's name, Ruth's name means something worth seeing. Her name means something worth seeing. 
but she's nothing worth seeing. She's not turning anybody's head. She's broke. She has no family. All she's ever known is Moab. No husband, no children, no faith, no, nothing. But her name means something worth seeing. The battle, did we not say the battle is always between what God said and your present reality? And that's what we see with Ruth. The battle is always between what God said and my present reality. So there are two gaps in your life. So Pastor Josh, Pastor Sam, no, you better not. You have to worship in a minute. All right, Adam, come here. They're going to help me. Give it up for Pastor Josh and Adam Crawford. Come on, they're going to help me do this. I'm going to switch you up, Pastor Josh. You'll be my confidence guy. You'll be my growth guy. Two gaps. The first one is the growth gap. Everybody say the growth gap. The growth gap consists of what God told you versus your current reality. It's the distance between God's promise over your life and your present reality. So, so you're here, and, and, and the growth gap represents God says over your life, you're going to live a blessed life. But you're here and saying, have you seen my checking account? God says that you are healed. And, and you're made whole. But your present reality is you hurt in 17 places just getting out of bed to come to church today. The growth gap. All right? God says you're highly favored, but you feel like you're the one that's always passed over. Okay? That's the growth gap. The distance between where I currently am and what God has promised. Okay. Now check this out. That's the growth gap. The growth gap is, is that space. But the second gap is the confidence gap. The confidence gap is the confidence and trust that you have in God's ability to bring you through a battle. Do you know how trust is developed? Trust is developed through a repeated reality. We trust something when we've, we've had a repeated reality over and over. You, you don't really know this. Well, you do know this, but... but let me, let me help us today. You're here because you trust Bethesda Church. You wouldn't get up on a Sunday morning on your day off to come to this place if you had not experienced a repeated reality over time and you trust that if you come, it'll be a good experience. Uh, all right, true. You, you visit a restaurant frequently. How many know? Re repeated reality. I go to Food and Friends because of a repeated reality. I'm going to have crab dip and smile, all right? I'm just going to do it. I trust that process, okay? So you have, you, you, you're here today because you have, uh, uh, you, 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 you have trust with this church. Now, here's the thing. God has a confidence gap with you. This is my confidence gap. God has a confidence gap with you, and what I mean by that is, is that every time you've gone through a battle and you've called on the name of God, your confidence gap widens. All right? So God says, yes, I've given you the victory. You called on me. I rescued you. And so you take a step, and you begin to widen the confidence gap. All right? For instance, David, um, you're anointed to do great things, but I'm a God of levels. You're going to have to be faithful over some small things before I make you rule over many things. So before he ever stands before a Goliath to take down a Goliath to defeat an entire nation, David has to learn how to defeat a bear. And David defeats the bear, right? And he reinvests that victory into the next battle against the lion. Come on, somebody. The confidence gap is widening. Every time you call on the name of God and he rescues you, it's a repeated reality, and we take that victory and we sow it back into our future, into our next battle. So David knew when he stood before a giant, God, you've already helped me kill the bear. You helped me kill the lion. I'm ready to stand in front of the giant. And so through this repeated reality, I, my confidence gap, God's confidence gap is widening and my growth gap is shortening because I'm becoming everything God has promised over my life. Every single victory. Now, watch this, watch this. I want you to see this. In what, what we have to understand is that there is something, and, and, and the business guys are going to love this, 
In the corporate world, they, they call it a dividend. When a corporation company has profits, make profits, they will distribute the profits amongst the shareholders. But those companies, those corporations, many times they will highly, highly encourage you, do not cash out, but reinvest those profits back into the company's future. I just want to remind some people today, don't waste every victory God has given you, but take every victory. If he helped you kill the bear, the lion, sickness, cancer, diabetes, whatever he brought you through, reinvest it into your future so that when you're standing against your present enemy, you can say, no, he's already came through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, and I, I, can, I know he will come through now. Come on if you believe that. Listen, listen, as we walk that out, the confidence gap widens and my growth gap shortens. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Now watch this. Don't lose focus in your battle. I promise I'll quit in about five minutes. Can y'all give me five? Don't lose focus in your battle. Broken focus will trip you up. The enemy does not have to defeat you. He just has to distract you. How many of you, I asked you earlier, how many of you felt or have, have ever been through a battle? Every hand went up. But this is a more specific question. This may not be for everybody, but I got a good feeling it's for a lot of people. How many of you feel like there is a lack of momentum in your life, a lack of momentum. Come on, raise your hands. Hands are going up everywhere. Lack of momentum. Things are just hard. I don't have any pace or rhythm or stride to what I'm doing. There's a lack of momentum. The problem is, is that when we lack momentum, a lot of times what we do when we lack momentum, we, we actually do things that contribute to the problem. And, and, and what I mean by that, we lack momentum, and so we start adding things to our life. And we say, well, my life's not going anywhere. I need to do A, B, C, and D. Not knowing that you just piled on four more things to a life that already didn't have momentum. And so now you're carrying everything you were carrying, and now you're carrying four new things because you had to do something with your life. And so the momentum gets weighed down. There are two ways that you create momentum. We create, create momentum by shutting down the things that no longer work. That's the first way. You have to be willing to shut down the things that no longer work. And this is what most people are unwilling to do. They're not willing to stop doing things that's no longer helping them. If I'm going to recreate momentum in my life, I have to shut down the things that are not working. It is the dragging of dead people. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Dead people and dead weight that keeps me from being able to run my race. That's why Hebrews tells us, therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, everything that is tripping us up. The reason people lose momentum is because the thing that helped us in one season is now working against us in the next season. It's going to get rough for a minute. We are determined to drag yesterday's residue into a new day. And we try to enter into God's new, but we're pulling all this crap. I'm going to say crap. We're pulling it into our new season. If you just got offended over that, we, 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 we got to talk about this religious thing. All right. Do you know why we do not sing the songs that we sang in 2012 and 2015. Do, do you know why? What helped us in 2012 and in 2015, if we sang it in 2019, it would kill us. There, there's some real good songs that I told the worship team, don't ever sing it again. It's done. Retire it. Put it away. Sing a new song. Some of y'all are having a lot of trouble with this. I can see. 
Don't ever sing it again because what helped us there is not going to help us now. And, and so, yeah, we're, we're done. We're, we're cutting it out. There are ministries we did five years ago we don't do now. Why? Because it no longer worked. What helped us in one season becomes a weight in the next season. And so we, we get so married to something that we don't know how to, to move from one season into the next season without dragging all the dead stuff into the new season that is stopping the momentum in our life. But when you start cutting the dead stuff off of your life, see, when you got all this dead stuff, you're moving real slow. But when you start cutting dead stuff off, you start picking up the pace. And there, there, there are some things, there are some people, there are some weights that you're going to have to cut if you're going to pick up the momentum and step into a new season in your relationship with God. you got to be willing to do that. Momentum will come not because of a new idea. It will come because you're courageous enough to stop doing what doesn't work. We create momentum secondly by learning how to win in stages. You have to learn the art of breaking something down. People come in and say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need some help. My car's broke down. My husband's on drugs. I got an eviction notice on my house. My kid didn't come home. Stop. Your list is 12 miles long. We have to learn how to find out which one of those things is wreaking the most havoc, and we're going to deal with that one, and we're going to plead the blood over the rest of it and allow God to do what he does. But I can't tackle the whole thing. I have to tackle it one thing at a time. And, and some of you are mad at this wisdom right here because you're thinking, well, that's, those are all big things. we got to tackle it all. If you're the kind of person that has to tackle the whole thing in order to enjoy uh, victory or experience any joy in your life, if you always have to tackle the whole thing, you will never experience victory or joy. You have to learn to take a big problem and break it down into small pieces. Jesus did not feed 5,000. He fed 50. Ultimately, he did, but he broke them down into groups of 50. He didn't just start chunking bread at 5,000 people. He took a big problem and dealt with it one piece at a time. One thing at a time. Worship team, you guys can come. It, 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 listen, you say, well, pastor, I need to lose 100 pounds. Well, that's, that's great. I'm glad you're on board with that. But you better learn how to celebrate when you lose 10. If you're the person that I, I'm not, I will not throw a party until I've lost all 100. You may never throw a party. You, you need to be able to shed 10 pounds and then throw yourself a party. Just don't go to Cheesecake Factory. Order yourself some broccoli and throw a party for yourself. Celebrate in stages. Celebrate the small win. You say, I want to be a lawyer. Well, praise the Lord. Go to your first class. Pass your first test, baby. Get through one year, and, and after one year, we throw a party. I know you're not a lawyer yet, but you got a year under your belt. It's time to celebrate. It's time to throw yourself a party. Even God did not create in a day. I, I may really kick this thing today. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. When God looked at that, you know what God was saying? This is a mess. I need some light. I need a sun. I need a moon. I need stars. I need water. I need plants. I need dirt. I need people. I need, I need, I need all this. He could say, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know what God did? One thing at a time. He said on the first day, let there be light. And there was light. Evening and the morning was the first day. And God said, it is good. You missed it. On the first day, he needed all this stuff. But he said, I'm not done yet. I'm not finished creating yet, but we got some light, so I'm gonna throw myself a party. It's good. It's looking good. We did one thing. I'm gonna stop and celebrate myself before I move on to the next thing. I love this. Ruth has finished the elimination in chapter one. All this dead stuff on her life 
God, God has dealt with it. She's ready to leave it all behind. And now her focus is the future. She has settled her past and she's ready to embrace her future. I, I, I just want to help some people that are here and, and, and you say, Pastor, what do I need to do? You have to examine what is it in your life that's not working? What is it that is just a weight at this point? What are you carrying into your future that God's saying, you, you, you should be able to let this thing go by now. You say, Pastor, do you, do you really live this stuff out? I, abs I absolutely do live this out. That's why I say, don't ever sing that song again. We're never doing that ministry again. It didn't work. It had its day. I, even with, with, with pastoring people of a growing church, how many of a church this size, people come and people go. It's part of the turf. People come, all kinds of new people come. But we have a lot of people been here a while, they just leave. And that stuff used to bother me, keep me up at night, have me chasing people and all that stuff and calling, where are you been and all that. And I heard Bishop Jake say something one time. He said, Pastor, just be the bus driver. Just drive the stinking bus. People are going to get on. People are going to get off. Just keep driving the bus. Don't, let, don't lose sleep over people. Don't lose sleep over that stuff. Just drive the bus from point A to point B. And so... <laughs> Some of y'all are going to think less of me in just a minute, so I might as well get it out there. So now when people leave, instead of it keeping me up all night and tearing my stomach up and me chasing people, I've decided we're going to change the world and make a difference, and I can't do that chasing JoJo down here who's quit for the third time. Like, I can't chase you anymore. And, and, and so it, it kind of came to a head with me. I had a family that left the church a while back, and this was a face-to-face -face conversation. They left, all right? Didn't call me, and, and that's your prerogative. You don't have to. I'm just saying, if you're, if you're going to leave and not call, please don't come and ask me where I've been. Because they said, we're really hurt. And I'm like, why are you hurt? They said, we left your church, and you never called to check on us. So you left, and now I come chasing you. I said, um... There's a reason why I didn't call you. They said, okay, well, tell me what that is. I said, I never called you because I never stopped being your pastor. You stopped being the member. If I stopped being your pastor and stopped being the pastor, I would, I would have courtesy enough to say, hey, I'm no longer your pastor. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Oh, somebody needs to get this today. You got to cut ties with all the dead things. All the weight, all the stuff that's keeping you trapped in a previous season. And you need to cut some things. I'm ready to change the world. I'm ready to make a difference. I'm ready to see healing and restoration. But I can't do it if I'm dragging all the dead stuff from my past into my future. I'm thankful that God is recreating momentum in my life. God is multiplying my fruitfulness. God is extending our reach. We can't lose sleep over small things that don't matter. We're here to change the world. Come on, church. Let's give God a praise today. I done preached myself happy. Honestly, though, if I were to resign, I would get, at least get up and tell you I'm no longer your pastor. But if you leave and just leave, and that's your problem, you can go to church wherever you want to go. But don't come ask me, why didn't I come check on you? I didn't stop being the pastor. All right? Is it, do I make sense to anybody? All right. I just, just want to make sure. Here's what I want you to do. Bow your head. Close your eyes. I just want to speak to people that are in this room today. And maybe you're not in relationship with Jesus. And you've been trying to carry a lot of things from your past into your future but the truth is it's time to lay down a lot of things that's not working and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior to drop all that other stuff that can't help you can't change you can't fix you only Jesus can do it while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one looking around if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life and you want to do that in this moment if that's you would you would you just say that's me by throwing your hand up and saying that's me pastor I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life one over here 
Another one here. God bless you. Another one here. God bless you. Another one back there. God bless you. See those four, four hands. Thank you, sir. See another one here. Awesome. Awesome. This is so good. Anybody else? That's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Another one here. Another one there. God bless you. This is so cool. We celebrate with you. Another one online. God bless you. Every voice lifted. Come on, let's pray with all these hands that have went up. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those hands that went up. Come on, come on, throw them a party real quick. Yeah. God bless you. Welcome to the family. I'm gonna ask my prayer team and staff to come get in place and I wanna give you some instruction before we sing this last song. I really believe that this time of prayer during this last song could be a moment for many people that you are here and there are some, there are some things um, that, that there's just some, how many know to create momentum, which means I've got to cut away the dead things. How many, that means sometimes I got to make hard decisions. And so you're going to need the grace of God to help you make it. It's tough when you have to cut things that don't work, especially if it helped you in the last season, but it's a, it's hindering you, hindering you now. That's a tough decision to make. I believe that God is going to give you the grace to do it. And I I heard the Holy Spirit during the first altar call, and I believe the same is true for this one, that for many of you, just you getting out of your seat in this moment to come for prayer, watch this. I I saw this in the Spirit. There's going to be some things that have been hanging on to you for a long time that as you start walking down here, you're literally going to feel lighter because it's going to become easier to let some things that are dead go. So we're going to open up this altar. I hope you still love me because I love all you folks. I really do. I love you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.